If you've never seen 12 Years a Slave, it's, it's a powerful, it's a true story built on a man that was not a slave, a black man, but was tricked and drugged and put in a, in a cell and beaten. And though he argued he was not a slave, those that wanted to sell him into slavery condemned him, dragged him off to the south. He lived as a slave for years, 12 years. As a matter of fact, before someone cared enough to reach out to him and tell his master that he was a free man. Today I want to talk about the whole subject of freedom, what it means to be free in Christ. Because we're going through the great eight in the book of Romans if you're visiting. And basically, we're studying the fact that God has said there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. But the fact that most of us this morning live as slaves. Erwin Lutzer has put out a powerful book called The Power of a Clear Conscience. It's amazing, this book. Amazingly powerful to teach us what it is to have a conscience that's been seared with a hot iron. And how we live in this dirty conscience when God has set us free. He says in chapter 3, the voice of God, you can take this down just a bit if you would, the voice of God or the voice of the devil. A condemning conscience is the devil's playground. A condemning conscience always says to us, you're guilty, there's no question about it, you're not free, you should live as a slave to whatever. A slave to whatever it is that you know you have inside. Without question this morning, there's no doubt in my mind that God has already been speaking through the songs. Yeah. I want to live you, live like you love me. I want to love you like you love me, God. I want to live like you love me. We live as though he's a mean God up in the sky that's just anxious for the opportunity to give us a really good spanking. <laughs> and yet that contradicts the scripture because Romans 8 says, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. My text for this morning is once again found in Romans chapter 8, and here's what it says. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. In other words, we're all hopelessly doomed. We were lost. We were gone. It was over. Done. You would have to pay for your sin. And God graciously intervened when they had this meeting of the Godhead, and it was decided that Jesus, His only Son, would take all of our sin on Himself and bear it one day on the cross. Has that happened? Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Then why is it that even in Chicago, 35,000 young people a year take their own lives? How can it be? Because they're living with a conscience 
that it's not clear and they don't understand. And I folded down this page because I thought it was possibly powerful. Chuck Swindoll wrote this years ago. By saying that we cannot forgive ourselves, we elevate our judgment above the Lord's. We think that we know better than he does. He might be quick to forgive, but we are not so simple. Yet what right do we have to hang on to something that God already released? He let it go on the cross. And every time we sin, we have this tendency to take what he took on the cross and pull it back. No. We say, I have to pay for this. Do you have any idea how much damage legalism has done in the church? Yes. Legalism creates this, I'm better than you attitude, or it's my job to watch you and make sure you toe the line. And God says, nobody has that right. You say, no, I am my brother's keeper. I'm supposed to watch over my brother. You know what, if you're your brother's keeper, this is a fact. If you are truly your brother's keeper, you will be so concerned at your brother, the only time you'll go after him is when you know he's veering the wrong way and you know you need to get him back on the path. Right? Because right? you care. It's a good thing to have someone who cares. Isn't it? See, we see an opposite. We say, oh, if they ever find out my sin, I'm condemned. And God says, no. No, I'm condemned. I shared this with you last week. It's the fifth word in verse 1. There is therefore now no. In the Hebrew, it's actually no condemnation first. There's no condemnation. Everyone who is a child of God has accepted what Christ did on the cross as the payment for their sin. Shout. God does that. 
He says, you're loved, regardless, you're loved. Love, love, love. There is not enough love to go around. Everybody wants to be loved. Right? Right. Yeah, well, some people just deserve punishment. <laughs> I gotta make them feel like you're not getting by with this. Mm-hmm. I hate to tell you this. You already got by with it. Ooh. You were blood-bought redeemed when Jesus died on the cross. You are loved. You are redeemed. Your sin has been paid for. You are justified just as if you never sinned. You are made new. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm new. I mean, I asked Jesus to come into my life. It is a process. Yes. yes, it is a process. But the Bible says that you're actually seated with him in heaven. You know what it's like to go to an event and you thought you had a reserved seat. You get there and they say, there's no more seating available. You're out of here. That's not what God's going to do. Oh, yeah, I got a place for you. He made it. I prepared it. He, prom he promised us that if he went to prepare a place, he would come back and take us to be with him. By the way, I would say this. I said it to Brace Man earlier this morning. If you don't see trouble around the world like never before, like in all my 66 years of life, we were with some people last night, and he said he had an earthquake app. Josiah was there and I said, find it, I want it. I woke up this morning and it reminded me of all the earthquakes that took place within the last hour of me waking. And then I looked and within the last 24 hours, there had to be 50 to 100 earthquakes that took place around the world. Many of them were fives. In Mexico, within the last week, devastating earthquakes have taken place, one right after another. Kim Jong-un is promising that he is going to set off a nuclear weapon somewhere in the Japan Sea, over the Japan Sea. He already sent a missile over Japan and said it would be no great loss if Japan went to the bottom of the ocean. Do you know what will happen if he sets off an atomic bomb? All the planes in the sky during that time, in within a great vicinity of that, will drop because the electronics will go up. This morning, stand up for what you believe. Shut people down. It's these radical um, college professors that are teaching our young people nothing but dis disrespect. He's the president of the United States. We have to put up with Obama. You need to put up or shut up. Well, that's my little political ad. <laughs> he sacrifices us. First of all, number five, he justified you. You made you as if you never had sin. But down there, number. Number nine, he sanctifies you. You know what he does? He gradually makes you less desirous for dirtiness yeah. and more desire for holiness. Yeah. When you're holy, you're happy. When you're not holy, you're not happy. I'll make you a promise. A couple left our church about a year and a half ago, and he just left because he didn't like this, this, that, and the other thing. And you know the saddest part of it is? I really love them, and I saw them change. They were on the verge of divorce when they came here. I helped them move back in, helped them run out of their house. He got mad about a year and a half ago, left. They're on the verge of divorce now, right now. Why? Because some people think, I'm going to just be a bickering, complaining person. I love my sin, they say. No, they don't literally say that. But obviously, they love their sin more than they love their sanctity and their sanctification. I think you get a sound mind. When you're clean. Yes. He supplies, does he not? Yes. He's magically, yeah, magically delicious. <laughs> he supplies. 
Out of nowhere, God just brings what you prayed about and needed. Yes. Because my wife got her report back this week on her mask that was removed, and there's absolutely no more cancer. He went to the, to the hospital this week to have sticks put in, a couple um, muscles or arteries that were supposedly closed up. And I just believed before he even went, this is over, this is done, he's healed. And they had found nothing in there. And those, they didn't have to put the sticks in. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and people, people are silent. This, this is the problem with us. We don't believe. We don't believe. We look at the list and say, I don't feel like I've been given grace. I don't feel chosen. I don't feel loved. I don't feel redeemed. I don't feel justified. And God said, you are not just justified. You've been made clean, sanctified. You've been supplied with all your needs according to His riches. You get peace of God that passes all understanding when you're clean. I'm making you a promise. There is a direct co-relationship between peace and purity. Totally. You're living dirty, you're living guilty. You shouldn't, but you are. It's the way God designed us. And so he brings peace and he makes sure that we understand that this life, once you're a child of God, is eternal. Forever. It goes on forever and ever. He makes us alive. Now I told the guys to come up here, and I know this might seem silly, but I want to just use a little illustration this morning of what happens. Because as you look at the scripture for this morning, you're going to find out real quick here. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Do you know what happens when you live according to the flesh? You get entangled. And the Bible is very clear in the book of Hebrews, that you're not to get entangled in the world. It will always take you out. Yes or no? It will always take you backwards. Well, I got cleaned up now, so I got married now that I got cleaned up because we were struggling before. If you go back, you get entangled again in the world, you guys just go do it. This is what happens. We get entangled. We literally get entangled in the world. We think it's okay. I guarantee you. We think it's okay to get back to what it was before because now things are good. So your addictive behaviors, it's okay to just do this in moderation. You know, I'm, you, yeah, I was, I was victorious over, over porn and I, I'm doing better now. I only look at it three times a day. I, I was victorious with my cigarettes. I'm down to a pack a day. I was victorious in whatever, in my anger issues. I'm, I'm done, oh, I'm done with my greed. I, I feel, I've been, this week, I only spent $100 on foolishness. <laughs> Seriously. I, I'm doing really well. I don't, I don't hate anymore. I feel like I'm getting better at this. They're not quite so hateful. And, and the more you think that, the more you realize, I'm, I'm getting entangled in this. It's a mess. And you, his hair is getting entangled in this. <laughs> I thought about this and thought about this. Do you know what happens when you let all of this stuff, throw that in there, throw it over here, boy. 
You know what happens when you throw all that in there? You can't move. You can't. You can't. You cannot run the race. There is no way. Casey is one of the fastest runners I know too. You cannot run the race. You are not capable. You are trying to run the race, but it's not happening. You wonder why it's not happening because you might have had victory over something, but you have not had total victory over it because you haven't turned it over to God and said, you got to take this, God. You already took it, God. Why do I keep bringing it back? That's how you're going to get out of here. I didn't figure that one out. <laughs> you know what God does? What God does? You know what God does? God sets you free through what he did on the cross. Literally, you, you have been free through what Christ did on the cross. You're just not claiming it. Now, I'm going to get on the count of three. You know what it is in your life you need to claim right now. Maybe it's victory over anger, victory over lust, victory over hateful spirit, victory over not submitting to those in, in authority, victory over critical spirit, victory over materialism or greed or hate or self-condemnation. Why do so many people want to commit suicide? Because they don't like themselves. They don't really like themselves. So they're on this quest for love all the time. Well, maybe if I just had this, I'd be more loving and I'd be less greedy and I wouldn't have to give in to my, my addictive thinking. God has set you free already. Why are you entangling yourself to things that you already paid for and set you free? Some of us are on a dangerous path back to what we were already set free from. I know this church. I don't know everyone that's visiting, but I know this church quite well. And I know that there are many people who are back on a dangerous path. John Piper said this, and I think I shared it last week. The only sin that we can defeat is a forgiveness sin. Now, question. How much of a Christian's sin is totally forgiven? All of it. Again. All of it. All So we need to understand that Christ's righteousness, His perfection, His righteousness set us free from daily sins if we accept it and apply it. So why do people get so easily entangled? You can come to church this morning and feel really blessed. By the time you get in the car, you're already entangled back into it. And Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set for us. And then let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He makes your faith perfect faith. I wouldn't even talk about my wife having cancer. I said I'm not even talking to you about it, honey, because it's over. You understand? Sin is like a cancer. You keep grabbing onto it because you like it. Yes. Because it makes you feel more secure to look at garbage. It makes you feel better to criticize someone else. It makes you feel more loved if someone else is feeling unloved and you gravitate to each other. But you don't win that way. No, you don't. It makes you miserable. There are miserable women in the room this morning. So we'll get it up. 
keep picking it up. Well, he hurt me again. You just keep picking it up. Very miserable men in the room this morning because you don't feel like God loves you. You don't feel loved. And so you put a miserable man and a miserable woman in the same house, and there's going to be chaos. And they're going to be looking for a way out. Shop, go to a concert, bicker about the neighbors. There's, there's always going to be contention there because you're not happy. Because mm -hmm. you're not finding your satisfaction in the one, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. The devil wants us to be shamed, and God wants us to be healed. You got it? The devil wants you to be shamed, and God wants you to be healed. The only way you're going to get rid of that thing you keep picking up is realizing it's your enemy. Those secret games you're playing by yourself? Your enemy. That addiction to video games? Your enemy. Every time you go to them, you're replacing someone in your house that you should be loving. You got it? It's happening in our culture to a degree that we don't even understand. There is so much hate in the church. The church is full of hateful, bitter people who want to grab on to God but can't because they've been hurt so bad. Hurt people hurt people. You got it? Hurt people hurt people, no doubt about it. Don't be a hurtful person. you got to lay aside all sin. The sin which does so easily beset us. Take a moment right now. Let's have a moment out. Everybody in here knows what sin it is that so easily besets you. Get it in your head right now. You got it. Now the Bible says, lay it aside. You are not getting victory because you keep picking that thing up. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to start this diet today. And then you have the carabas right after. <laughs> you have the triple whammer. You can't get over it, you think. And it wraps itself around you. It starts to choke you. The Bible says, so lay aside all sin. Stop sinning and obey God. See, I don't think it's so much that we need to think about stop sinning. I think it's more that we need to understand that your sin has already been paid for. You don't need it. Yeah, come on, come on. You don't need it. God already paid for it. Yeah. It's free. You don't need to keep picking that thing up because God already paid for it. I, I submit that the verses from Hebrews is not primarily an admonition to stop sinning and to start obeying God. Obey God. Obey God. Oh, there's delight in obeying God. You actually walk. Holiness is happiness. Yes, it is. Holiness brings happiness. See, this is how we know that we're children of God. This is how we know. Because you're the most happy when you're the most holy. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Oh, yes, you are. You know this. I see people come to church and they get all excited and say, wow, we're so excited about this new church we found. And the devil says, I'm going to make you not excited. I'm going to get you back into your little rut that you grew up in. Your mom was a complainer, you're going to be a complainer. You grew up in legalism, you need to make everybody else accountable for their sin. And you find out that Susan Sassafras over there, she can sin. And you just say, oh, she's just a bad woman. I'm so much better than Susan Sassafras. She's just, you know, 
And you're not looking at yourself and realizing that you've picked up your sin, which is a critical spirit. And it hurts. It's hurting you. It's not making you happy. It's not making you holy. It's making you critical and bitter just like your mother was. It says lay aside the sin. Lay aside. Stop picking it up. Because we are being told never to let our sin keep us from victory. Never let your sin. If you're not gaining victory, you're probably putting too much emphasis on the sin instead of the Savior. You got that? The sin instead of the Savior. I promise you, my sin is forgiven. I don't need to have it dragged up every day in my life. It's forgiven because I'm a child of God. We are living in a culture of condemnation. For sure. Totally. You'll never win this battle when you're entangled with it. You don't know what to do. God's already set you free. When Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake. And, I, and as I said, Josiah immediately got the earthquake app. Last night when he heard the other guy had it. And so this morning I woke up and there had been four earthquakes within the time, short time that I was up. And I'm like, I never realized there were so many earthquakes. Matthew talks about them. Last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be doing things with men and women with women. And there'll be perilous times upon us. These are the signs of my coming. I think Jesus is coming very soon. Yeah. Oh, I hope it's in my lifetime because I want to jet out of here. Now, in case I'm gone, those of you who are left here, you can have a, you finally can get in the praise team. <laughs> you, you've been wanting to for a long time. You can finally preach and take my place. <laughs> Seriously. Do you think everybody in this room is going to be caught up? Some of you are so bitter you can't even laugh. You sit there. That sucks. <laughs> just sucks. You suck, Pastor. Everything sucks. Life just sucks. Sucks, sucks, sucks. And everybody that meets you, they think, do they have an ounce of joy? Really, seriously, your sin is gone. You just keep picking it up. You don't look at the fact that Jesus took it all away. Yes. Yeah, he did. Man, we have a song to sing today. You come tonight, the place is going to rock. Yeah. Yeah. One hour of nothing but worship. Be intense. We're back to that. God says, I've already set you free, so why do you keep picking it up? I remember years ago reading a story about a little boy with, and, and a girl who were living with her grandma. And she was very strict about things. And the little boy was outside one day, and he was playing with a slingshot. And he had a bunch of rocks. He got a slingshot, and he was just shooting him in his... And he just thought, wow, this is so much fun. I, I hate ducks. So he started to shoot at the ducks. And sure enough, if he didn't nail one and kill it, little did he know that his sister was in the kitchen window and saw the whole thing. And so she came outside and said, I saw that duck. I saw him. You purposely aimed at it and you killed it. And Grandma's not going to be very happy with you. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll make a deal with you. I'll make a deal with you right now. I won't tell Grandma if you just do my chores. All you have to do is do my chores. And I'm not going to tell Grandma. He said, well, I know she's going to give me a whooping if I do this. So 
All right. That's mean. And so at dinner time that night, they sat at the table, and when they were finished, normally sister did the dishes, because she had outside chores. Not that men shouldn't do the dishes, too. Don't get that near that song. The pastor said men don't do dishes. Men only chop boys. So, they're sitting at the kitchen table, the meal's all finished, and Grandma says, you need to get up, honey, and do the dishes to her granddaughter. And she said, she looked over at her and said, remember the duck. So brother did the dishes that night. Next morning they got up and sister was supposed to sweep the house, and, she, and Grandma came in and said, you haven't swept yet. And she said, remember the duck. About three or four days into it, brother realized, I'm tired of paying. I should have just confessed it to begin with. And he went to grandma without sister knowing it. And he said, I was messing around the other day and I shouldn't have, but I killed your favorite duck. And she said, I knew that already. I know you, she said. Your last name is Peterson. No. <laughs> So I do that already. So why did you let your sister this whole time put you in bondage to something that I already knew about? Do you know what we do on a daily basis? We take back what Jesus took away. You don't have to be bitter. No, 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 no. But you don't understand how I've been hurt. You don't have to be bitter. That's a choice. Bitterness will get you nowhere. In trouble. It will get you nowhere so fast, you will feel entangled in this. You'll sleep at night thinking bitter thoughts. You won't be free. Don't let another person in this room whisper in your ear, remember the duck. Don't do it. Don't hold others in the room responsible to remember the duck when you have your own issues. Right? Yeah? Come on, I can't hear you. Yes, we have our own issues. You know that. God already set you free. He paid the price. He does not want you to get entangled with those things. A lot of us have been taken out of the race completely. We're ineffective. In fact, it's almost like we can't even function. There are people in the room this morning who've been so taken out, they can't function. God brought you here today to set you free. Yeah. He already did it back at the cross, but you keep taking it back. You want to make a way. You want to try to be good enough. You want to fix things. Remember this, when Jesus died on the cross and there was this massive earthquake, the veil in the tabernacle and the temple was rent or torn in two from the top to the bottom because God did it. God made access for you to come to Him yeah. because there's no condemnation. Yeah. I don't even understand that all the time. I always say, well, why in the world do I want to live like there's condemnation? I don't understand this, God. Why do I want to live like I, I'm condemned? And I, I wrote myself some notes, actually, on a luxury book, and this was one of them. All forms of self-salvation only bring uncertainty and the inner desire for more punishment. Listen. All forms of 
self-salvation only bring uncertainty and the inner desire for more punishment. Stop punishing yourself. When you go to that known sin that you like to do, women nagging and bugging and not showing affection to your husband and not loving him and then thinking that I'm wrong for telling you that looking for something wrong in me so you don't have to listen. I'm telling you, you will be much happier if you'll deny yourself, quit blaming everyone else in picking up your form of self-punishment that is only making you miserable. It's making you miserable. You pick it up and think to yourself, I need this thing to satisfy me. i got to work this out. And you're not happy. Give it up. Ladies, give it up. Men, give it up. Give it up. You keep picking up the thing that God took away at the cross. Yeah, you do. You keep picking it up and saying, I need that thing. I have to have it. I can't live without cigarettes. I can't live without lust. I can't live without video games. I can't live without a critical spirit. You don't understand how free you are. You just don't. When you truly get free in God, it's amazing. See, it's impossible for us to lay aside sin on any other basis than the cross. Totally. Without the cross, you can't lay aside sin. But with the cross, you say, when Jesus died, he took that sin from me. I want you to think right now, there's something that easily entangles you. I had at least four situations this week which were unnecessary scenarios. Why do I? Because people in the congregation got entangled in lies. Yes. We get entangled in lies that something else will make us happy. That we've been treated unfairly. That you didn't deserve this. That so-and-so was mean to you. That the pastor doesn't know this or that and the other thing. Those are just ridiculous things to pick it up. Give it up to God. Is he not big enough to do it? Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. If you think about your situation. You need to go back to God and say, I'm sorry. You already took care of that. I'm not going to get easily offended because you took care of it, Lord. You set me free. Yes. You can't keep the law. You can't be good enough. If you can, then Christ died in vain. He, he wanted us to go through life like happy little larks. Like people are looking at you saying, what a flake. How are you doing today? <laughs> if I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> My dad used to sit all the time. I'm like, dad, that's so nasty. But now I say it all the time. <laughs> it's the truth. You get around people that are positive, though. You're around these people, and they're not even mentioning their issues. Catch, catch that. Every time you try to cry to people and whine about your issue, you're saying, I don't trust God. Mm? Yes? No. No. That's what the church is for. We're supposed to tell everybody. And you're trying to work it out on your own. You just be careful because you might run into someone who has more faith than you do, and they'll get you healed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't show how much faith you have by talking about your issues all the time. Well, if he would just change, I would change. No, you wouldn't because you got a critical spirit. Christ died in vain according to you. Should we keep on sinning? The Bible says that grace may abound. What does God say in response to that? God forbid, no. Stop sinning. 
get power back in your life. Your feet stop dancing because you don't have any joy anymore. You can't even be fun to be around. It's not my fault. It's my husband's fault. It's not my fault. It's my wife's fault. It's not my fault. It's my kids. You don't know what kind of kids we have. They're angels, except don't you dare criticize them, but they're really demons. <laughs> I get so confused in how to respond in any situation. Because to me, to me, by the way, I taught my mentoring group this about true friendship this week. Friendship does not tattletale on other people. Right. You listen to me closely. You won't be around here very long if your friends think they have to take back everything everybody says to you. That's not a friend. That's a manipulator. I know I'm talking to some people in here that need to get that cleared up because you won't be around here very long otherwise. You understand this? Yes. Friends create wounds. Do any of the guys that were in my mentoring group remember the three S's? Yes. Yeah, wait I didn't ask you, Vince. <laughs> I'm glad you remember them, but stand up, Moses. There's three S's. This is what friends do. Sharpen each other. They stick together and they stab each other. It doesn't sound like what it would be, does it? Because it's a lot like, yeah, some of you are really guilty right now. I can tell by looking at your face because you're busy bodies. You keep picking up your busy body sin and it's taking you down. Yeah. Friends stab each other. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sweet are the kisses of your enemy. It's the opposite of what you think. The person who's bringing trash back to you is not interested in your well-being. They're only interested in keeping you as their friend. And eventually you're going to lose them. Don't forget that. If you're going to grow up in this church, you're going to learn to be mature and deal with your issues. Yeah. Deal with them head on, straight on. And remember, there are going to be times when your friend's going to wound you. That should tell everybody in the room this morning, make things right. Yeah. I want to make things right, but she won't make things right. No, you don't want to make things right because you keep acting like that. You give it to God. He already made things right, and you won't have any problem with each other. Come on now, Sister Hawk and Spock. <laughs> Sister Hawk and Spock in the church. People think that the church pastor shouldn't preach this way anymore. It's too blunt. I think our churches have turned into nothing but watered-down, stale water. For sure. Bitter water. Mark, bitter water. There's no power of God in the house. Why? Because she's mad at her, and he's mad at his wife, and she's mad at her husband, and he likes to play his video games instead of spending any time with God whatsoever. You will have no discernment if God is not first in your life. Every morning you need him desperately. You will have zero, zero discernment. You will have no faith. If you'd rather tell everybody else your issues than spending that time with God, there's a problem. The issue here is not whether you have been com committed sins. Rather, the issue is whether you believe that the blood of Christ covers them despite sin. Here is the problem. That's why I showed that video clip. That's actually one of my favorite movies, 12 Years a Slave. If you have not seen it, you should watch it. It's very gory, it's very brutal, but it is very true. When Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on September 23, 1862, 
The moment it went into effect on January 1st, 1863, every slave living in the Confederacy was legally free. Totally free. But you know what was wrong with it? They didn't know that there was an emancipation proclamation made because they didn't hear about it in these farms and these, these cotton fields that, that they were stuck in. There were several reasons why they didn't change from being a slave to being free, and it's the same reasons that take place today in this room. Thousands of flyers were made, and they were taken throughout the South and handed out to people. Here, you're free. The Emancipation Proclamation set you free. It was a lot like the Word of God says you're free, but you don't feel free this morning. If there is something agitating you right now, you are not free. I've been a pastor long enough to understand this. If what I've said already this morning can sit you between the eyes, you're not free. You better think about that. I'm not free because I'm hanging on to this thing that I keep picking up. And you know what happens? Listen, when you pick it up, it happens again. Yeah. When you pick up your bitterness, you have another situation this week which offers you bitterness. And next week you have another situation that offers you bitterness. And next week another one, and another one, until it gets so great that you feel like taking your life. You're so miserable. When God says, let it go, Jesus paid it all. Don't get bitter with the pastor right now. Get better. Don't get bitter. Get better. Get free. You are free. Why do you pick up that which you hate? You think you love those video games? Because I think video games are wrecking houses. You should go home and burn them all and spend the time with God. Then you know what I'm saying? Because you're the pastor and you're like Mr. Holy Joe. But we know, Pastor, you're not holy. We look for every way possible to discredit those righteous reminders in our life who would tell us the reason you keep having problems is because you keep picking up your sins when you were freed from your sins. You ought to be free. Yes. You ought to be free. You ought to leave it at the cross. Leave it at the cross. Because Christ doesn't leave you out there on your own. He's saying to you this morning, you can be free. Yeah. You believe this or not? Yeah. You can be free. You can be free. You can be free. You want to be free. You are free, but you can be free if you listen that you've been emancipated. Some of the slaves didn't understand the Emancipation Proclamation because they didn't get a flyer saying that they were free. And some didn't believe it when they did get it. You know how many Christians are sitting in a room not buying it? Well, if I'm free from porn, then why do I always want to look at it? Because you don't feel loved. If I'm free from eating, why do I always want to eat? Because you don't feel loved. If I'm not free from this addiction, if I'm supposedly free from this addiction, but I keep craving it, then I'm not free. Yes, you are free. Live like you're free. The more you surrender to God and take up what he did on the cross, the more free you become. And the more, the more power you have in your life. I feel like dancing this morning. Do you? When you get free, you want to dance. Even though if you've never danced before, you're going to get up here and do the cha-cha. Cha-cha. No, seriously. Do you have any joy this morning? I look around during the worship and I think some people are very contemplative. They're thinking to themselves. 
singers up there act like they have something. Because they do. Because they actually do. Yeah. Christ has set us free from the power of sin. Yes. And he replaces it with righteousness. That's what he does. You've got to recognize the fact that you are free and actually live it by not entangling yourself in the affairs of the world over and over. Now, I don't have time to completely do this because I want to stop here. We're trying to change the pattern of things. We're trying to start right on time at 10 o'clock and I'm trying to end on time too. And we're going to sing a song. But years ago, my pastor was talking about the fact that our brain has two halves, obviously. It wouldn't look very good if it went around with half my head. <laughs> Red brain and left brain. And the left part of our brain does the normal things. Right now it's telling me to make my hand go up and down. And it won't stop. <laughs> until I say, stop. It's just automatic. It's automatic that my brain tells me to do these things. My brain tells me, it just told me to go over here so that you would know. And my brain tells me there's a step here. I should step down. I should step back up. My brain automatically does that things. But the right side of my brain tells me emotional things. Like I should be offended by what the pastor said today. Because I know he was talking about me. Have I not said this over and over here? If you think I'm talking about you, you I am. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Yes. If you think I'm talking about you, then I am. <laughs> it makes it really easy for me. All I have to do is say it, let it land where it's supposed to. And there are people out there that are like, just wait until you sin. I'll break the shreds. That's what, that's what it's like, isn't it? So your brothers are always watching you and your sisters. And in the big picture, you're just not happy because your brain is involved in all these other things. These not normal movements. These things like, I just feel like I really like to dance. My right brain is telling me right now, you really silly stuff. <laughs> Dancing and singing. <laughs> <laughs> Arts and stuff. Now, I, I think I have a combination of both left and right because I can narrow it down to the fact that I need, I need to be more cognizant of discipline in my life to make some things automatic. Mm -hmm. To make some things a normal response. The normal response for me should be this. I get up in the morning and never step out of my bed and say, Thank you, Jesus, for another day of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave me such a life. Thank you, Jesus, when I don't have any strife. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, that's the right brain talking right now. Because <laughs> I'm a crazy person. But you all know that. <laughs> See, if the, if the left brain part of me is talking right and doing what it's supposed to do, it's going to be a natural thing for me to get up in the morning and thank God that I had another day of life. Why is it not a natural thing to live by faith? Why is it not a natural thing to love people like crazy? Why is it not a natural thing instead of being bitter to be better? Why is it not a natural thing that every day you get up and spend time with God? 
Those are the not voluntary responses that we need to learn. We need to learn to make automatic in our life. Don't we? Yes. Stop wrestling and being entangled with the world. You need to make a decision. Right now, right here, right in this place. And you know what it is. I want you to think this moment about the thing that you most often become entangled with. The sin that you most often wrestle with. I'm not going to make you tell us what it is. But how many people know what it is? Just raise your hand. I know the thing that I get entangled with the most. Some people out there, I don't have any sin. <laughs> never get entangled with anything. The only thing I'm going to be entangled with is the roast beef in the oven right now. Some of the young potatoes that I've been cooking for the last four hours. That's the only thing I want to tangle with. My mouth wants to entangle with that roast beef. You, you're trying to tell me that you can't even identify what things the enemy uses with you? Yes. Yes, you can. Do it voluntarily. Identify those things as things that need to change, and by the grace of God, you're going to do it. Okay? Now, so, I want to have a mosh pit here at the end. Yes. I think it's high time that, that I and you put to death that stuff that's easily entangled. It's done. It's done. It's out of the book. I want you to stand up. If you're with me, it's done. It's done. It's under the blood. This is done. It has to be done. I have to talking about that. I have to behave. Not every, don't all get up just because other people do. Get up if you know what it is and praise man you come. You got it. You got to do this, people. I, I pick these songs because I, I get so blessed. I always pick out the music that I want us to do. But this, this song goes through my mind all week long. All week long. It is so powerful if you think about the words. Everyone else is not saying to join. 